Let's begin day four here. Our last day together. Tear, tear. Nobody else? Just me? So many tears. Well, whatever. Okay. Uh, let's begin uh, with prayer, and we will jump in today. Uh, Father in heaven, we need you all the time, and we need you especially today as we look at the good news that you would make broken people like us right with you uh, through Jesus. Would you show us that good news in him? We pray in his name. Amen. Um, Hey, I want to start this morning with uh, a little bit of an overview and a couple of... Welcome, welcome, welcome. Please, please come in. Um, a little bit of overview and, and recap, and then a couple of uh, book recommendations, because I know you guys are all gigantic bookworms who love nothing more than a good, a good book. Um, I mentioned at the beginning of the week uh, that we were going to hopefully address these four pretty big questions. So I just want to, as a, as a recap, I want to uh, look at these four questions and just touch on for a little bit how the catechism has sort of... Uh, I sort of nudged at those questions. So the first question was, uh, why do I exist? And we, we talked on day two about who God is and that amazing definition of God with uh, 24, 25 truths in just 18 words, um, including the words God is. So sort of 16 words. They got, they got um, 24 truths across. And that we exist to glorify and to enjoy Him. Um, that if you wake up in the morning and you wonder, what am I supposed to do with my life? Which I know some of us wonder that. You think, what am I supposed to do today? The answer ultimately will be, you exist to glorify and to enjoy that God. Um, second question, what is God like? Um, again, we talked about that, that definition of God. We looked at the definition of the Trinity, we talked about the fact that God's in control of everything, that God is working all things for His glory. And as we talked a little bit about the nature of God and what, what He's like, what Scripture teaches that God is like. Then we get into uh, the dark stuff. Why do bad things happen? Um, I want to say a couple things about this question. It is uh, by far the most common type of question that was asked by you guys when you wrote down um, questions on a note card. And sometimes there were variations to the question, not just like why do bad things happen, um, but like why are people so bad? Um, or why does God allow sin to be in the world or things like that? But, but this was by far the most common category of question that you guys asked. And so here's the two things that I want to say about it. Why do bad things happen? Number one, I don't know. Like in a specific sense, I can't look at like a car accident that will almost undoubtedly happen today. Hopefully to none of us in this room. But I can't look at a car accident and say, oh yes, I see the 17 reasons why God would permit this car to hit this car and these people to have these injuries and this disastrous fallout to happen from this car wreck. I don't, I don't know specifically why God would do that. Here's what I do know. Uh, God has His reasons. And he's, he's been willing to at least tell us that He does everything for the sake of His glory. Everything for the sake of His glory. So we can look at even, even a car wreck, even Tropical Storm Bradley or Barry or whatever that's headed towards Louisiana. We can look at that and say, okay, 
Uh, this may be painful. This may be inexplicable. There may be uh, pain for years and years to come because of that happening. But I know that God knows what He's doing. And He's at least told me that He's going to get glory ultimately from that. From everything that happens, He's going to get glory from it. So uh, we have to sort of hold that intention and say, I, don't, I really don't know why God does the things that He does in a specific way. But I, I can tell you, because God has told us that He does everything for His glory. Um, I... I uh, I'll stop here and recommend a book to you. If you're like, man, that just does not work. That answer was terrible. I'm tempted to leave this class right now, even though we've come this far. Um, There are uh, a couple of books that that I think would be helpful if you're like, I just want to chew on that question more. I want to chew on sort of what's what's wrong with the world, why God would let the world be the way that it is, if that's the way you want to phrase the question. And I'm going to recommend this first book, Reason for God by Timothy Keller. Tim Keller was a pastor in New York City um, and wrote this awesome book called Reason for God that deals with some of these grand questions. And it's excellent. It is 157 times better than anything you've heard in this class uh, today. So pick up that book. I'm sure that they ha- I know that they have it in the bookstore in the back of the promised land. Um, or you can pick up a copy wherever you buy your books. Books a million. Borders. Barnes and Noble. If you're going to start a bookstore, keep this in mind. It has to start with a B. That's clearly a requirement. Um, one of the things Tim Keller says is we're tempted when we talk about the problem of evil to say, you know, I'll just abandon belief in God altogether. I'll just, I'll just, uh, I'll just abandon the idea that there even is a God. And he says the problem with that is, um, is if Christianity gives us a half answer to the question why there's evil in, in the world, atheism gives us no answer as to why there's evil in the world. Um, which is good and a lot to chew on. So, um, fourth question I said that we would talk about this week is how can I be right with God? And that is our focus for today. How can I be right with God? We talked uh, yesterday about how jacked up the world is and quite frankly how jacked up we are that we're corrupt from top to bottom that uh, everything we do all the time is a result of us being guilty and uh, us being broken and that ultimately uh, we are the problem. That we're sinful creatures and and the fact that the world is full of people who are like us is, is the issue. So we're going to talk about uh, the hope that we have, broken as we are today. Before we do that, I want to just quickly jump into a couple of additional questions. These are questions uh, that are at least variations of things that you guys asked at the beginning of uh, the week. Um, how can I know God's will for my life? Yikes, that is a huge question. I mean, as you walk through the massive decisions of the rest of your life, like even in the next like five years, all of you will, maybe like, let's go ten years. You guys are probably going to decide where, if and where to go to college, what to major in, which might dictate the career that you have. You'll probably start dating somebody and have to decide how serious that relationship is going to be if you're going to get married to that person. And then once you get married to that person, you have to decide uh, like where to live with that person, whether or not to have children, how to raise those children. Um, in a sense, like the, the largest decisions of your life are ahead of you. So if you're concerned today as far as what God's will for your life is, um, you're going to want to have an answer to that question even more uh, in the future. Look at, is that hail? 
been watching it progress this whole time. Oh my goodness. It's not hail. It's just loud. It's very loud. It's just loud rain. Y'all, if that sign goes, class is canceled. Um, hey, Chandler, move the whiteboard so we can wash the side. Yeah, right. So bad things happen. That's right. Why is the storm happening? Good question. Um, all right. Uh, boom. That's what I'm talking about. All right. Sec- second question here is how can I understand Scripture? Some of you guys have uh, maybe like you've read something in the Bible that you're like, what does that even mean? That sounds crazy. Here's the only thing I'm going to offer to you. Uh, the... Westminster Confession of Faith, which is our subject in this class and our favorite thing ever. Uh, One of the things that it tells us, here's the language that it uses, and we're going to boil this down in a second. It says, the infallible rule of interpreting Scripture is Scripture. The infallible rule of interpreting Scripture is Scripture. We could say it this way, Scripture interprets Scripture. If you come to a place in the Bible that is difficult to under... I promise I'm going to teach my wife when she can and can't call one day. Just just kidding. Love you so much. Um, if you come to a place in Scripture that you are like, I, didn't, I do not understand. So this doesn't make sense. So this seems wrong. Um, the first place to turn is not to the answers in the bottom of your ESV study Bible, uh, but to uh, cross-references. See what another place in the Bible says about that verse. Here's a good example of that. Um, let me read you all a verse. This is a, this is going to be our uh, devotion for today. Okay. Here's a verse from uh, James. If you guys skipped your devotions this morning, just one verse of scripture I want to read to you. James chapter two, verse twenty-four. Y'all ready for this? Here's, this is the good news for us. Okay. A person is justified by works and not by faith. Get out there and have a good one. <laughs> Go do your best. Go get justified by your work. Go get right with God by being better. That's what that sounds like, doesn't it? That's exactly what it sounds like. Okay, so when we come to a verse like that, we have to go, now wait a second. Every single week at church and at youth group, I hear the exact opposite of that. The exact opposite. So, uh, like something's got to give. So here's the first thing I'm going to do. I'm gonna go, let's just read a little bit around it. How about like the two verses before it? Let's see if it sounds any different this way. You see that faith was active along with works, and faith is completed by works. The scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Alright, is that saying something different than you have to be good? You have to have good works in order to be right with God. Is that saying something different? You better believe it is. Um, if if all of Scripture disagrees with one verse that you read, then uh, there must be a different way to interpret that Scripture. And that's really good news. Um, and you will be blown away at the answers that Scripture gives you about itself. Um, I heard one pastor say this, uh, the simple and easy to understand parts of Scripture will explain the complicated parts of Scripture. And I, I really believe that, uh, that that's true. So, 
Okay, uh, third question, how did creation happen? I'm just not even going to touch this question. Um, if you're interested in it and you want to read good resources on it, then ask your youth pastor for good resources as far as uh, how to answer this question. Except for you. Don't ask me. Um, here's what I do know. God made everything. Period. End of story. Everything did not come from nothing. That, that is a leap of faith. God made everything. Uh, I heard uh, Ravi Zacharias, who's this uh, great apologist, he said, if I'm walking on the sidewalk and I come to a McDonald's cheeseburger inside a McDonald's wrapper, I don't look at that and go, that must have spontaneously appeared on the sidewalk. I assume that somebody made that. Somebody wrapped it up. Uh, When we look at the universe, it is, quite frankly, uh, oh, it's hard to believe that this came, came from nowhere. And especially hard to believe that it came from no one. That's all I'm going to say about it. Um, and finally, does God exist? Again, I'm, I'm pointing you right here. Reason for God, Tim Keller, if you're like, I just can't do it. I just can't figure out uh, that there is a God. I just can't believe it, that there is a God. Um, check out Reason for God by, by Tim Keller. Um, anyway, let's, uh, let's jump into what we've got for today. I know that was a lot. Um, so we talked yesterday, yesterday about uh, us being the problem. Um, that uh, when the fall happened, man became corrupt, and we are those corrupt people. We are the, the sinful beings that walk around in the world. And here's, here's the problem. Uh, we fall short. Have you ever been to um, a... I want to say carnival, but that sounds like a movie or something. But if you've, if you've ever gone to like one of those traveling, weird parking lot festival things, or even like just a theme park, like a water park or a theme park, like uh, Six Flags over Georgia, Six Flags over Texas, Six Flags over New Jersey. I don't know what you've been to and haven't been to. Uh, but if you walk up to like a particular roller coaster or Ferris wheel or something, sometimes there, there'll be this like person standing there with a stick. Or there's just like a sign there with like a cartoon character and he's got like this super long finger and he's pointing like this and it says, you must be this tall to ride this ride. Um, and if you're tall enough, you can get on the ride and it's great. And if you're not tall enough, you cannot get on the ride. And that's tough for some people. Uh, that was me forever. I'm the youngest of my family, so my entire family would go and I would sit there and weep. And one time I... Not, I'm not going to tell that story. Um, so there is a standard that God has for you and for me. Um, and the standard is perfection. That sounds ridiculous to you. Um, here's the question I'd like us to ask together. Does the Bible really teach this? Does God actually... like? actually, actually demand from you that you be perfectly righteous, that you be perfectly good. Um, you know, some people would say, like, like here's, a, here's a, a saying that a lot of people think is in the Bible that, let me tell you, friends, is not. God helps those who help themselves. You guys ever heard that before? God helps those who help themselves. Uh, it is not in the Bible. God never said that. He's never said that. So does the Bible really teach that God demands from you 
perfection. Like you as an individual right now, if you want to be in right relationship with God, you've got to be good. Not just good, perfectly good. All the way good. Top to bottom good. You've got to be a good person. Here's uh, one, two, three. That's four verses right there. I am not exaggerating. We, we could have had 40. There are 10 verses for each of the ones that you see here that teach this exact thing. Here's Matthew 5.48. We're going to start with the words of Jesus. Here's what Jesus says. Let's read this together. Matthew 5.48. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Just period. That's it. Jesus. Red letters. Jesus said that. You have to be perfect. Not like... Like, perfect as like a human could conjure it up. Like, perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. You need to be like God. Infinite, eternal, unchangeable, and His being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. Uh, Psalm 5.4, with vigor. For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. Romans 3.10, none is righteous. No, not one. And Psalm 130, verse 3. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? That's a, that's a rhetorical question with an obvious answer. If God counted all your sins, if He counted all your sins and held you accountable for all your sins, could you stand up to His standard? No. Who could? Who could? No one. Um, so yeah, the Bible really does teach that. It really does teach that you and I have to be righteous. Now, we can try to wiggle out of that all we want. Say, come on. God's understanding, right? Like if I just try my best, surely He'll fill in the gaps for me. Like He'll, he'll let it slide that I haven't been perfect. That's not what the Bible teaches. It's just not. Um, Let's talk about the good news in light of that bad news. Um, And we're going to get into the catechism, I promise. I know that's what all of you were thinking. Wait a minute. When's our Georgia Bulldogs question and answer going to come back? Uh, Don't you worry. We'll get there. So if the problem is that we fall short, here's the solution. God declares us righteous. Now, before I put up the catechism question, which we're about to do, um, I just want to say a couple of things. What we're talking about today is... It's probably the most important thing that you can know about God and His relationship to you. Like, knowing the nature of God and that He's infinite, eternal, and unchangeable is great. Knowing that He made everything, that He's in control of everything is great. Uh, Like, memorizing 150 verses in the Bible is great. Knowing how you can be right with God is a bigger deal than all of that. It's a bigger deal than all that. Um, two super important old guys uh, named John Calvin and Martin Luther both said it's the most important doctrine in the entire church. The most important thing the church needs to know and be sure of, and it's called justification. Justification. Can y'all say justification? Justification. Justification. Big old word. We could we could actually say righteousification. We think justification is like um, I don't know why I'm thinking of the Justin Timberlake album Justified right now, but um, what we're talking about is. 
God taking broken people like you and me, sinful people who fall short, and making them righteous. Counting them righteous. Righteousification. Justification is what we're talking about. So uh, let's look at how the Westminster Shorter Catechism defines justification. Georgia. What is justification? Justification is an act of God's free grace wherein He pardons all our sins and accepts us as righteous in His sight. Only for the righteousness of Christ given to us and received by faith Alright, we're going to look at a few things here about justification. Um, This says that God looked at you, a broken, sinful person who falls short of His standard, and He said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to fix the problem. I'm going to make it so that you who do not deserve to know me, to enjoy me, to spend eternity with me, do. I'm going to change the story. You who should be punished for your sins, I'm not going to punish you. I'm going to reward you. Um... Let's ask again. Does Scripture really teach this? I hope that's the next slide. Okay. Does the, does the Bible really teach that? I mean, I, I sincerely hope that if you look at this definition, and you, you just hear even, even something like this, uh, justification is, act, is an act of God's free grace where He pardons all our sins. I, I hope that that like, messes with your head a little bit. That the God of the universe, in, like, in a personal, specific way, would look at you. Like, what if you right now had the worst three things that you've ever done tattooed on your forehead? Like, for some of you, that's, that's like, ooh, dark, painful. Like, let me, I just need to run and bury my head in the sand. God is like, I'm going to deal with those three sins. Like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take away those three things and everything else that you can't even think of that you've done wrong. All your sin. I'm going to pardon it all. Um, I'm not just going to pardon your sin. I'm going to accept you as righteous. Uh, like, uh, what this says is that on the day of judgment, God would look at you. At the end of your life, everything you've ever done, God's going to look at you and say, you are righteous. You are perfect. He's not going to say, you tried hard, so I'm going to give you credit. You really gave it your best effort. No, He's going to say, you are righteous. Does the Bible really teach that? Let's look at a few verses. Um, Let's just read the first... Uh, three. How about uh, just we're going to start with a hard hitter, the old Tim Tebow, right here. Uh, John three sixteen. Let's read it with vigor. 
For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Romans 3, 23 and 24. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Let's go Ephesians 2, 8 right here. Ephesians 2, 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Okay, uh, what the Westminster Shorter Catechism teaches is what the Bible teaches. That uh, God has done something so that all of your sins can be forgiven, and so that you can be declared perfectly righteous. And it costs nothing. It costs nothing for you to be declared perfectly righteous in God's sight. Uh, That is ridiculous. And I want to talk about how it happened. Um, This is 2 Corinthians 5. 21. So we sort of have to ask the question, right? I mean, we're saying the God of the universe looked at you, a broken person. He's the perfectly just judge. He never makes any bad calls. He never does anything wrong. And he says, I'm going to declare sinful, broken people righteous. I'm going to accept sin. I just, he just said over and over and over, Old Testament, New Testament, you have to be perfect to have eternal life. You have to be perfect to be in a relationship with me. And then he also says, I'm going to declare sinful, imperfect people perfect. How's that possible? How could he possibly do that? He said he's a just judge. How could he do that? If somebody definitely commits a crime and they stand before a judge and all the evidence is against them, they definitely committed the crime, they definitely did it, they, and it's bad, murder. They definitely murdered. Like they definitely, definitely, definitely declared murder. And then the judge stands up there in front of that, that murdered person's family and friends and says, you know what? I'm going to count that murderer innocent. Go free. In fact, you can have my house. You're going to live with me from now on. Everyone in the courtroom will go, bogus, no way, not cool, not cool, terrible judge, bad judge, not allowed. That's not allowed. That's not justice. That's not justice. So if God's a good judge, how can He do it? How can He do it? Uh, let's read together. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Here's what it says. For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Okay. Uh, Him to be sin who knew no sin. He who knew no sin is Jesus. Just for the record. We need to to fill in that blank. So I want to show you what I think this looks like. What justification looks like. We're going to start over here um, with... Me, and I'm going to think of me as as Chandler. But I want you to think of me as like yourself. This is this is you right here. And we're, we're, look, we're this is your permanent record. Um, God keeps really good records of us. Jesus said at one point, uh, "You will answer for every idle word you ever spoke." Like not just uh, the DMs that are like on the internet forever. Uh, things that you said in private behind people's backs. Every every idle word. I mean, everything. God sees everything. Uh, so this is this is my my personal record right here. So I'm I'm going to put a series of uh, either X's for bad stuff 
or smiley faces for good stuff. Okay, so we'll start. I, I was a, a, a cute little kid, as I'm sure you guys were. So I was bringing some joy to my family, and that was cool. So I get a little a little smiley face for that. But it wasn't long before I started like uh, stealing toys from people, pulling my sister's hair, telling uh, little little lies, throwing my food on the ground, and things like that. And then when I went to school, I, I made a friend, and I was nice to my friend. Uh, but then I would like talk trash behind that friend back. Um, I would uh, pretend that I was like better friends with him than I was with other people. I wasn't really being myself. I was sort of putting on a show as far as uh, who I was. And then um, I, I uh, memorized the Bible verse in, in elementary school, and that was really great that I did that. My first ever Bible verse, and they gave me a, a gold star. But I got kind of prideful because of that. I felt good about myself for having memorized the Bible verse, and I thought I'm, I'm probably like the best person in uh, this entire place. And then I went on a mission trip in middle school, and that was really great. The entire time, actually, I didn't care about what we were doing. I was just like flirting and trying to be funny and um, doing everything for, for selfish reasons. And um, I talked trash uh, about my friends back home. I talked trash about my family. I was mean to my sister uh, over and over and over. Um, but then I like tried really hard in school. Like I really actually did try hard in school. Um, but then uh, I went off to college. And we are not even going to talk about what happened at college. We're just not. We're just not even going to talk about it. We're not even going to talk about the things that I said, the thoughts that I had, the things that I did. I um, I did like go to church sometimes. And then I would tell my mom that I went to church every week, even though I didn't. And then I left college, and I got married, which was cool. And then I realized that I thought I wasn't a really like selfish person, but it turns out I was wrong. I love myself more than I love anyone else in the world. All I do is care for myself. And I deceive people in little tiny ways. I put myself on a pedestal to make myself seem awesome. I care deeply about what people think, so I'll do anything to get people to like me. And I think I've only put like 100 things on there, like 100 actions in my life. So that's me. That's me right there. Um, Let's talk about Jesus. That's Jesus' life. 33 years. Uh, No sin. Zero. No lies. No deceit. No unrighteous anger, no lust, uh, no bad attitude, no talking back to mom and dad, no looking at something on his phone he shouldn't have looked at. Nothing. Nothing. Uh, I had a friend in college who, who, um, who explained this to me. Uh, he said, when Jesus died on the cross... Uh, what, what he was doing is he was saying, okay, you who believe in me, if you believe in me, here's what I'm going to do for you. If you'll, if you'll just trust in me, here's what I'll do for you. You can have 
have my smiley face. You can have my perfection. You can have all of my goodness. You can have my never sinned before. You can have my deserves to be loved by God. And I will take your bad. I will take all the bad things that you've done. I will be sin for you. Uh, Jesus did not die on the cross because He was good. Jesus did not suffer the punishment of God's holy, just wrath for us because He was good. He died for sins. Not His. Mine. Uh, Okay, justification means that if you believe in Jesus, He gets your sin and you get His righteousness. So that God could look at you today and at the end of your life and say, you're perfect. You're righteous. You're my child. If you trust in Jesus, you get His righteousness. That's what happened on the cross. Y'all, that is crazy. It's crazy that God would do that. He did not have to do that. Look at my life. Why in the world would He do that? Why would He put His own Son on the cross in my place? you know why? Because He's awesome. Because He's awesome. He loves you more than your mama. Like, way more. Uh, So let's look at this uh, question one more time. Um... In fact, let's just let's just uh, read it together. Georgia? Okay, come on, y'all. Let's wake up and do it. Great. Justification is an act of God's free grace wherein He pardons all our sins and accepts us as righteous in His sight. Only for the righteousness of Christ to be imputed to us Okay, so let's go back to these uh, initial questions that I asked you guys to write down your note card. You can look at your note card now. Um, I'm not going to ask you to say what you wrote or anything like that, but um, let's talk about this. uh, Let's talk about the second question first. Um, The question is, how good do you have to be to go to heaven? Um, I'll just just behind the curtain a little bit. These are both sort of trick questions. So I'm sorry that I did that to you. I'm sure some of you sniffed out the trick. But um, how good do you have to be to go to heaven? How many of y'all said perfect? No? Um, all right, let's talk about the first question. My standing with God depends blank percent on my behavior. Um... How many of y'all said 0%? How many said 100%? How many said a number other than 0? Okay, so some percentage, like 50-50, 25-75, something like that. Um, okay, Jesus, Jesus is the key that unlocks both of these questions. Um, justification is the key that unlocks both of these questions. If you trust in Jesus, this is what's happened for you. So that uh, you do have to be perfect 
to go to heaven. Uh, But you, an imperfect person, can be perfect. Not because you scrub up and get better in life, but because you trust in Jesus. So the answer is definitely, you have to be perfect to go to heaven. You absolutely do. You absolutely do. And yet, if you're not perfect, guess what? You can be. You can be perfect. You can be covered in the perfection of Jesus. And then, uh, my standing with God depends blank percent on my behavior. If you don't trust in Jesus, guess what? Your standing with God depends 100% on your behavior. And you're going to stand before God one day with your, your record. And he'll look at it and say, well, we can just go, you know, just Ten Commandments. And we'll see how you did. But if you trust in Jesus, if you trust in Jesus, your standing with God depends zero percent on your behavior. Zero percent. Your behavior is nailed to the cross. Everything you did died on the cross. And your standing with God depends 0% on your behavior. Uh, if that is not ridiculous to you, it should be. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. And that's grace. That's what grace is. Grace does not say to you, uh, you try hard and I'll do the rest. Or you do your best and we'll see how it turns out. Grace says your behavior is now out of the question. I'm going to relate to you. God says, I will relate to you based not at all on what you've done, only on what Jesus has done. Um, The one and only thing required for us to be counted righteous before God is faith. Uh, And the Bible says faith is a gift. Um, I, I hope that this uh, is uh, either good news that you've heard a hundred times and you're like, right on, brother. Uh, or maybe it's like, you're like, this is the first time I've ever thought about this. I've never heard someone say this before. I've never, uh, I've never seen that, that picture before. Please chew on it. Please go tell your youth pastor that this crazy person is trying to explain to you justification and you want to know more about it. You want to know what it is. You want to know how to be right with God. Um, or come talk to me about it. I would love to talk to you about it. I'll get even more jacked up than I am right now uh, thinking about it. Um, you guys have seen Hunger Games, right? You guys know when... Uh, uh, Primrose. Um, you guys know in the beginning they're going to do the thing and they're drawing the names and it's Primrose Everdeen who gets drawn, right? And uh, she's going to have to go fight and almost surely going to die because she's a small a little girl. Her fate is sort of sealed that she's going to die. And then uh, what happens? I volunteer tribute, right? Katniss stands in front of her uh, little sister. Her sister now gets to stay at home and be safe. Even though her sister got drawn out of the hat. Um, Justification is the good news that Jesus volunteered as your tribute. He said, you can't do it. You can't be good enough. You can't be right with God. You can't be perfect, so I'll do it for you. I'm going to come to earth and I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to be good for you. If you trust in me, you can have my perfection. You can carry that around today. 
the perfection of Jesus. Like, if somebody asks you this afternoon, what does God think of you right now? Right now. What does He think of you? Giant smiley face. He thinks I'm perfect. He thinks I'm His beloved child because I'm trusted in Jesus. Uh, that's the good news for you and for me. Um, let me pray and, and we'll be done. If you've got a question, please come, come ask me. Um, let's pray. Uh, Father in heaven, you are so good to us. The good news of uh, justification by faith in Jesus is so much to chew on. Uh, but God, would you bring that good news uh, into our hearts. God, make us people who do trust in Jesus and, and who do really know with confidence that you do count us righteous as if we've never sinned because of the righteousness of Jesus. Uh, Would you give us that good news in our hearts? Give us faith in Him who became sin for us so that we could be right with you. We pray in His name. Amen.